Welcome to episode 142 of the Fredcast Cycling Podcast for December the 21st, 2009. My name is David, and I'm a Fred. This week's episode of the Fredcast is a holiday special featuring audio highlights from perhaps the most anticipated training camp of the 2010 professional cycling season, plus an audible pick of the week and two Podsafe Cycling Music Holiday Extra songs just to get your holidays started off just right. So sit back, relax, and if you're riding your bike, hammer just a little bit harder because here comes 2009's last episode of The Fredcast. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Fredcast. It's great to have you back here with me as I share with you some great audio from, as I said, perhaps one of the most anticipated training camps, certainly of the 2010 cycling season, but perhaps in a long time. We'll get to that in a moment, but first, this week's episode of the Fredcast is brought to you by Audible. Go to audiblepodcast.com slash cycling to sign up for your free two-week trial of the Audible Listener Gold Program. You'll get a free audiobook, yours to keep, whether or not you stick with Audible, but chances are, if you love podcasts, you'll love Audible as well. More on that in a little bit, but first, let's get to this week's special features. No news this week, just, well, I mean, I suppose that the audio I'm going to be sharing with you is a bit of news because what it is, is it is audio that comes to us from the Team Radio Shack training camp. Team Radio Shack, as you will recall, is the team that Johan Bernil and Lance Armstrong have built to go into the 2010 season and beyond. And they recently had their training camp in Tucson, Arizona. We we're blessed to have our friends Bicycle.net go there and collect some audio for us, and I put it together into this special show for you. So thanks to the folks over at Bicycle.net for this audio, and we're going to get things started off right now with a little bit of audio from the multi-time winner of the Amgen Tour of California. Here are some words that we had with Levi Leipheimer. Now, the first question that we had for Levi was, and we've talked about this on the show before, the fact that the Tour of California has now changed their dates, moved it from February into May, conflicting with the Giro d'Italia, but with Levi peaking every year to really be very competitive to win the Tour of California, how does that affect his training plans and what effect might that have on his chances for the 2010 Tour de France? Uh, there's ample time to uh, race well, try to win, take a, a good rest, because when you think about the third week of the tour, you need to make sure that you uh, are recovered from a, a hard effort such as Tour of California. So that might may take a week or 10 days of really making sure that, that you're recovered and ready to go again. And there's time between that race and the Dauphiné and then, and then again between the Dauphiné and the Tour de France to do that again. So in my mind, it's, it's easier than it's been the last four years. I don't have to come out in February, uh, you know, swinging like I have been and then 
try to, you know, fulfill my obligations as a teammate in in between the, the months from February to the Tour de France. That was hard because it, it's that's a long gap. So, um, <clears throat> in my mind, it's this this is going to be much more textbook that I'll use some races in the in the spring to to gain some fitness and um, focus on three months. That's May, June, and July. And, uh, you know, I don't think it changes anything for me in the tour. I'll still go there to, to be my best. I'm going to train as hard as I can and uh, shoot for the top. We next asked Levi about the gap in age between Lance and Levi and some of the younger U23 guys on the team and wondering who's being groomed as the new team leader and whether or not this might prove to be an issue for Team Radio Shack. Despite the fact that they're a young team already and haven't even raced their first season, will this be an issue and, and how's it being dealt with? I think that uh, Johan and Lance, they're always looking to, you know, Johan has, a, has an eye for talent and Dirk DeMole as well. They, they, they pick, I mean, look, at they got Alberto Contador, um, you know, just look at the history. They, they know how to spot talent. Now, we didn't get a lot of time with Levi, unfortunately, and hopefully we will as the season goes on, especially at the Tour of California, I am certain. But we did have a chance to talk to one of those up-and-comers on the team, none other than Taylor Finney. We first asked Taylor what races he's looking forward to in the coming season. Well, obviously I'm going to go back to uh, the Worlds on the track in March and try to defend my individual pursuit title. And then um, after that, Paris-Roubaix, we have a stronger team, I think, than last year. And last year we won. So I'm pretty confident that we can, you know, do a, do a good job and, you know, try to get in that velodrome first again. Um, and then after that, you know, it's sort of up for grabs. We have a lot of racing in the U.S., and I didn't so didn't do so well in the U.S. last year, and had a couple crashes. So I'm gonna try to avoid those. And then, uh, then Worlds at the end of the season, and uh, you know we might do Tour of Missouri at the end of the season as well. So, you know, the uh, we just got the schedule today, and we have first races Tour of Qatar and Tour of Oman, so that should be pretty interesting. And you know, I'm just looking forward to uh, another good year with the team and should be, uh, you know, we got one year under our belt and I think everybody uh, knows what they're doing and we got some more good riders on the team, more race winners and that uh, things are looking up. Next, we asked Taylor, we've heard a lot of people have compared him to a young Lance Armstrong. Does that add any pressure and how does that make him feel? Uh, it's not so much extra pressure as it's just something that I can take with me and you know, use as as a part of my my arsenal, and just you know, I don't like brag about it, and I'm not talking about it, but it's flattering that people can compare me to Lance, and you know, honestly, I don't know where I'm going to be in 10, 15 years. Um, you know, whether I'm even going to be good enough to win the tour once. So, um, I will be the best Taylor Finney that I can be, and you know, hopefully in 15 years they'll be saying that some little kid is the next Taylor Finney. That'd be that's my goal. So. Yeah, I enjoyed that answer very, very much. Next up, we had a chance to talk to Dr. Alan Lim. Dr. Lim, as many of you know, is one of the most well-renowned sports physiologists in cycling, in professional cycling. And 
Dr. Lim was on board with Slipstream Sports and the Garmin team, now the Garmin Transitions team, and he recently came over to Team Radio Shack, and we had the opportunity to ask him a couple of questions, starting with his decision to come to Team Radio Shack, how it took place, and what his role with the team is going to be. Well, you know, it was, I think, a very difficult decision. Um, I'm so invested. I was so invested in Garmin and Slipstream and love those boys to death. It was a phenomenal program um, and one that I'm really, really proud of. Um, but uh, I think it, for me it was mainly a, a time to change and a time to narrow my focus a little bit. Um, I wanted more time to just uh, do pure sports science. Uh, to get off the road a little bit and uh, have a little more structured kind of uh, family and friends life back at home in Boulder. And so my role here is going to be uh, more Tour de France centric and uh, limited to uh, sports science and technology. Um, and, you know, all things considered, I think that change is a great thing. So I'm really looking forward to the future. It's a, a fantastically professional organization and um, I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, beyond that, uh, that guy right over there. Taylor Finney, um, big influence on uh, on uh, getting getting me here, and so it's great to be uh, reconnected back to to Taylor. Now, of course, in a lot of ways, this is a team that is built around one man, the man with one name, Lance. And so the question was for Dr. Lim, even though he's been there only a short period of time, what is it like to work with Lance? It's uh, it's been really neat so far. It's uh, straightforward, professional, uh, get the job done, no nonsense, and uh, that's fantastic. Lance is great because he's not a wishy-washy guy. Uh, he makes his decisions quickly, and uh, he's all about the details and all about the innovation. So for a guy like me, it's a perfect scenario because he's someone who cares about all those little details, and uh, ultimately I'm a guy who... Um, whose job is to, to pay attention to those little details. And with those little minute details in mind, we wanted to know if Dr. Lim could give us a little bit more details about his role with the team. Sure. You know, I think that I'm going to be doing uh, much of what I exactly did for, for Slipstream and Garmin, which was to look at uh, new innovation, new technologies that might help these uh, riders in the areas of, say, recovery, training, nutrition, um, to you know, make sure that uh, all of the science out there that can help these guys, that that's actually executed, you know, as a uh, as a scientist, um, the hard gap to bridge is, is the one between theory and practice. And so uh, what I'm really here to do is try to study and, and bring what the latest is in sports science and uh, try to figure out a way to actually uh, execute it here on the road with the boys. But of course, the main event of the training camp, at least from a media perspective, seemed to have been one man, Lance Armstrong himself. And coming up, we're going to have the highlights of the Lance Armstrong and Johan Bernil press conference. But first, I need to talk to you about our friends at Audible. Audible has been a sponsor of the Fredcast for more than a year now. We appreciate their support, and they're supporting the Fredcast because, quite frankly, you have been supporting them. And that's why they offer you the two-week free trial of the Audible Listener Gold Program. And you can get that free trial by going to audiblepodcast.com slash cycling and signing up. By doing so, you'll get a free audiobook out of more than 60,000 titles, including books, periodicals, radio programs, and more. But this week, my pick 
sort of a holiday pick and also one that's sort of personal to me as well. As you well know, my wife has multiple sclerosis and it's something that hits close to home very, very often. And a young lady who also uh, has multiple sclerosis by the name of Cammie Walker recently wrote a book called 29 Gifts, How a Month of Giving Can Change Your Life. And so this is holiday-focused and, of course, MS-focused. And essentially, the point of the book is how... Uh, Ms. Walker was given uh, what is termed an uncommon prescription by an African medicine woman, and that simply was to give to others for 29 days. And by doing so, she herself would be given a gift, and hopefully uh, would it would come back in sort of a karmic way to her. It's a very lovely book and a great prescription for anyone's life. It is... Well, it would normally be $13.96 on Audible, but it's yours for free. This is a six-hour and 30-minute book. It's narrated by Tavia Gilbert. I think you will really enjoy it. It's yours for free simply by going to audiblepodcast.com slash cycling and signing up for your free Audible Listener Gold program. Thank you so much for doing that, and thank you to Audible for their support of the Fredcast. One more reminder before we get to that Lance Armstrong press conference, and that's this. It's the holiday season. I know you're shopping. I know it's the last minute. What better place to shop than where most of you are doing so? Amazon.com. If you go to the Fredcast.com and you look at the top of the page, you will see a link, a banner to Amazon. Simply by cl- clicking that, you're going to get the exact same prices you always get at Amazon. Fredcast is going to get just a couple of pennies back from Amazon as a reward. So when you're out there doing your last-minute holiday shopping on Amazon, please think of going to thefredcast.com first, or as several of you have mentioned in emails to me, bookmark that link, and then just go ahead and click that bookmark, and then that will take you straight to Amazon, but at the same time send a couple of pennies back to the Fredcast, or if you'd prefer just to do it in a more direct way, go ahead and click the Donate link on thefredcast.com and either subscribe or do a one-time donation through PayPal. We appreciate all the ways that you support the Fredcast. And at this time of the holidays, I am so thankful for all of you simply for listening. And of course, for those of you who find ways to support in other ways as well. Thank you so much for all the things that you do for the Fredcast. Well, the main event of the training camp, at least from a media perspective, was indeed Lance Armstrong himself, and Lance held about a 40-minute press conference, and we captured all of it, and we're going to be bringing most of it to you in its entirety so that you can get a feel for what it's like to be in that room and to hear from Lance himself and also to hear from the media directly as they ask their questions of Lance in preparation for the 2010 professional cycling season with Team Radio Shack. So without further ado, here are sort of the best of highlights of Lance Armstrong and Johan Brunil's press conference from the recent Team Radio Shack training camp in Tucson, Arizona. Hello Lance, uh, just uh, first question, uh, just about the last Tour de France. Did you expect to be as, as competitive as you were and so strong? Well, I, I thought, yeah, I thought I'd be, I mean, there were, there were days in the Tour, even days leading up to it, that I, I still thought I could win the Tour. Um, 
you know, that, that might, I mean, obviously I wasn't, I wasn't right, but, uh, um, you know, I felt like, I felt good in training. I felt like the testing I was uh, doing in the month of June w was uh, pointing in the right direction. And, and it's the tour, so you need lucky breaks, and, you know, we got a few here and there, but, um, mm -hmm. uh, you know, Alberto was on another level, really, than anybody else in the race, so it wasn't, it wasn't going to be possible in 2009. But, yeah, I, I thought there were moments where I could do it. Yeah, Lance, um, a year ago, uh, the comeback was sort of a, a theory. It hadn't actually happened yet, and, and you had something to prove after years off the bike and away from racing. I'm just wondering, a year later, having been on the podium at the Tour, now a team built around you, um, what the hunger's like, what the mentality's like, mm -hmm. and, uh, and where you are mentally compared to a year ago. Well, it's, it's quite a bit different. I mean, I think um, you know, that reintroduction into cycling in the beginning of the year, really beginning in Australia, was uh, a bigger shock than I expected. Um, the tempo of the race, um, the positioning in the peloton, um, the, the day-in, day-out stuff was just different. The position on the bike, a lot of things I had a hard time adjusting to. But during that time, uh, I mean, I think a year ago, I was sitting here, it was just a one-year idea, one-year plan, and, and uh, I didn't uh, expect to be racing again in 2010. But through that process, despite all the, the, the rough transitions and, the, and the, you know, the rough days, it was, I still enjoyed it, and I still wanted to, I said to myself, I want to do it again. And, and um, it's no secret to anybody that, that 2009 was, was a complicated situation internally within the team for a lot of reasons, not just because of the ones that most people know, but, um, you know, we had an opportunity with Radio Shack to put together a team that, uh, that really provides a platform for the young guys on Trek Livestrong to, to advance into, and, <clears throat> uh, you know, these things came together, uh, um, not overnight, but they came together uh, smoothly, so... You know, we'll keep going. We'll stay uh, firmly uh, embedded in cycling, and, and I'm excited. And, and the only other thing I'd say is that um, just, I mean, maybe uh, just a slight correction. I mean, I think the team, the, the days of this team being built around me are done. I mean, I'm 38, going to be 39 uh, this racing season. So it'd be irresponsible for us to build the team around me. I mean, I think we have to go in as a as a team approach, and if it's the tour, we have to look at Levi, you have to look at Cloden, you have to look at the entire team and the and the, the tactics and the uh, the ideas that we that we use. So, um, you know, those those days are those days are done. But uh, you know, I think we got a good, well-rounded group for all the races. Obviously, the tour is the one everybody talks about, and I think the build-up will be big. Uh, but the spring classics will be important, and I also think I think it's important that the team starts hard and strong in Australia. With some, hopefully, with some results. Hi, I'm Laura from Cycling News. Uh, I'd like to find out from you. A year ago, you said that uh, you were making your comeback to help the Livestrong Global Cancer Initiative, and also in a sporting dimension. Um, did you find that you had success this year in obtaining your goals on the bike and as far as your mm -hmm. Livestrong? Yeah, I, th I think we can. We can look at it in, in a couple of ways. We can look at uh, the global approach, which was uh, the one that we talked about the most and the one that we worked on the most. So 
whenever I was racing, spending considerable amounts of time off the bike, meeting with uh, fellow nonprofits in those communities and countries, meeting with uh, leaders uh, on a political level from those, those communities and countries and areas. And then you can kind of sum it up with, with what, what went down in, in Dublin at the Global Summit. We had, you know, more than 60 countries represented, uh, 500 people, billions of dollars committed, and, and people that went back to their community and, 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 and um, uh, started programs that I think will impact lives. So, you know, on, the, on that level, it, it exceeded our expectations. Here domestically, uh, in probably the toughest economy that any nonprofit has faced in a long, long time, uh, when every day you open the paper and read about nonprofits that are laying off people or, or uh, closing the, the doors entirely, um, the Livestrong Foundation was, you know, had our best year we've ever had. So, um, you know, certainly the comeback helped that, the exposure of Livestrong helped that, the stories that we were able to tell in Australia and Europe and America and Africa and, and Ireland, wherever we went, helped that, even here in the United States. So, uh, it was, it was a, um, uh, it exceeded our expectations for 2009. Lance, for France now, um, you did not win the Tour de France, but you managed to become a very popular in France. Mm. What do you feel about that? Because it, it's, it's an event. Yeah. No, it's, it's uh, it, you know, I, I think it has to do a couple of things. I think that... Uh, uh, the fact that you didn't win, I mean, they, they saw a rider win the Tour seven times and, and win it in a very methodical way and win it in a way that the, for them became old and uh, lacked uh, panache. Um, and so then they saw a guy that left for three or four years and he came back as an older rider and he, got, and he tried his best and he got third and he was content with that. I was happy with, just for the record, I was happy to get third. Um, I did my best. And so I, I thought that was a good result, having been away and, and been sitting on my, on my tail for three years. So, I, I mean, maybe they saw a different, uh, a different attitude that maybe changed their perspective. And um, I, I, I don't know. It, it was an interesting um, uh, re-entry for me in, in the country of France. And, you know, I had, I had good experiences leading up to that. I mean, I think that this, you know, we people talk about the, the sit-down interview with Michelle Drucker, where you show a different side of yourself, and you and you uh, and he helps you to show a different side of yourself, and so that you know maybe helped. And um, but you know I tried to go in there with a good attitude, and we do the same thing, and uh, you know hopefully the result will change, but the perception with the people won't. Lance, based on your experiences from the last year, again sort of referencing what your plans and ideas were for the comeback regarding independent drug testing, what worked and what didn't. What are your plans for that for this year? And in particular, I'd like to know uh, what your plans or ideas are for posting information on mm -hmm. the internet since yeah. that aroused quite a bit of controversy, particularly the blood values from the tour. Right. Um, That's why they're not up there anymore. Well, I, I was going to ask about that because we really haven't gotten a formal response from you on that, I don't think, yeah. uh, as to the debate about that. Well, I think, and Johan can speak more to what the team wants to do from an independent testing program, uh, something that started years ago with a few teams, uh, really became the enemy of, of the, the organizations that are supposed to police this globally and nationally, so USADA and WADA. They became the biggest critics of the independent testing programs. 
Um, they felt that those were a slap in the face or an insult to the work that they were doing. So uh, they've really stepped up their game, and, and the UCI has as well with the amount of testing, the level of testing, the funding, the biological passport. I mean, I think if we were, if my 50, I don't know how many controls I had this year, 50 plus, um, I mean, the vast majority of them were from USADA, WADA, UCI, uh, the independent agencies, or the agencies from the respective countries that you would just be in, some of which were well publicized or not, but if you, wherever you are racing, they can technically come and test. Um, so, you know, the, you've kind of established your own sort of uh, uh, umbrella uh, independent testing program, if you will because you're always accessible and always uh, reachable and, and supposedly always testable. We did post them um, on the web, or the blood results on the web, and, and then after the tour, and inevitably somebody's going to look at them. It just takes one person to say, well, you know, it could be a guy that, that you know, graduated last in his class and just got out of college and says, and, and has one journalist that listens to him and prints that, you know, these are suspicious. And that's, I don't, I don't know if this guy graduated last in his class. Uh, you know what they call a doctor that graduates last in his class? Doctor. So, that's a good side of the room over here. I, I talk to doctors sometimes, I tell them that, they don't like that joke very much. But, um, you know, we took them down after that just because we had, we had put them up all year long in and, and, and the, and the vein of complete transparency and then, uh, to be attacked like that and accused of something that's complete nonsense, uh, it's not worth it. I mean, I think that, that the testing that we do through the, the international agencies and the, and, and the domestic agency is going to have to be enough in the future. And that's my position on it. I mean, that's my, I suppose, my formal response. But um, everybody knows where I am every minute of every day. They know how many times I've been tested. I'll let that speak for itself. Lance, um, in our last meeting in Ireland, you, you told me that you, for the next year you are not sure to be able to beat Alberto in the Tour de France, but one thing is sure, you will be stronger than in 2009. Mm. Now you know the team roster completely. Are you agree with what you said? That I will be stronger or the team yeah, will be stronger? You will be stronger. Because you know uh, your your level, and, uh, yeah. and now with the the teammate you have, yeah. Well, I, th I think that uh, despite being one year older, I will I will benefit from uh, the season that we just finished. So, all of the training that was included in that season, the Giro and the Tour, which is the first time I've ever done that, um, that will benefit me going forward in 2010. I, it, this already, this December already feels different than last December, just on the bike and the uh, the position on the bike. I struggled with my position on the bike last year. As far as the team goes, I mean, I, again, I think that that we have the best team in the world. And, and if, I mean, if you look at uh, the Tour of France from last year, it was safe to say we had the strongest team in the race. But I, I, I think the important thing to, to understand is that of the nine riders from last year's tour on Team Astana, eight of them are now on Team Radio Shack. So we took the vast majority of the, of the riders from the team that we wanted, and uh, therefore it's, it remains a strong team. I mean, I think we lack that, that super, super uh, high-level uh, favorite like Alberto, but um, I, mean, I like our chances with, uh, with the strong guys we have. And do you have an idea more precise about you? 
the schedule of the next year, except TDU and Tour de France? We'll start in Down Under in Australia. And then, uh, and then we go to Mercia and Catalonia. Those are the, really the only, uh, the only two fixtures. Obviously, Tour of California uh, in May um, and the Tour in July. So there'll be other events that, that fill in uh, around that, you know, maybe some time in, in, in Northern Europe for some cobblestone exposure in preparation for the Tour. Uh, have to see what, what happens in late April and, <clears throat> and then also have to decide about June if it's the Dauphiné or if it's the Tour de Suisse. So you had a very interesting interview with the Sydney Morning Herald last month and um, where Rupert Guinness, I believe, was asking you about the conflict with Alberto and you said that you used to like thrive on conflict and create mm. conflict but that this one was something real that maybe was unintended and you said that you had changed from mm. 10 years ago. Mm. And is, so have you made a change? I mean, do you need the conflict? Are you, is it going to be deathmatch 2.0 next year? Or are you going to try to avoid the drama? Yeah, I, th I think what, I mean, if, if for people that have been around cycling, you, if you go back over the last 10 years, I mean, there was, there was always this built-in conflict with, with Jan. And it was the build-up to the tour and the rivalry with Jan and my preparation versus his preparation. And that's all, that happens in sport. That happens in, 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 in all levels of sport, uh, endurance sports, contact sports, team sports. There's always that rivalry. That, that, that's what you all want. That's what people pay attention to, and everybody sits in front of their TV screens to, to watch come game day. Uh, and then there was a bit of that buildup with, you know, there was, with Baloki was a big factor for a couple of years, so there was always buildup around that, and somebody would say something. and somebody, but we were good about just taking little nuggets here and there, just like all coaches do. I mean, I've sat in on plenty of team meetings at the University of Texas football team, and, and believe me, at the end of every team meeting, the coach posts up what the other, other team's players and coaches said in the press. I mean, that motivates their guys. That's, that's, that, that's what teams do. So we did that, uh, of course, and some of it was real, some of it wasn't, wasn't so real, but we used it to our advantage for ourselves and for our, our guys. Um, but the conflict last year, I mean, that was, that was a, uh, you know, that was a, that was a, a personality conflict. But, um, you know, I mean, that's not, not to say my personality is good or bad or his is good or bad, they're just different. And so uh, we're on separate teams now, and I'm, and I'm sure that he's glad he went left, and I'm glad I went right. But uh, I wouldn't change the experience. I mean, I wanted to do what I wanted to do, and I, I was loyal uh, to Johan, so I had to be there. I couldn't be anywhere else. Uh, and it just didn't work out. But, uh, you know, on the bike, I'll say Alberto is the, be the, the biggest and best talent that we have now. And, and as I've said a couple times, might be the biggest and best we've ever seen. Uh, off the bike, you know, it's not worth saying. Do you need that personally to motivate you or can you do it? Oh, no, no, no. This is, this is, this is good. It, it's different. I mean, I'm realistic. I, I, and I'm also come from the perspective of having been on the team with him, and I saw physically how good he was in the race, but I also saw mentally and emotionally how strong he is off the bike. And so uh, I'm not a fool. I know uh, I've sized up plenty of competition in my day. He's, he's, he's going to be very, very difficult to beat, and some would say impossible. He's a complete rider and um, um, just tough to beat that, uh, somebody that can climb and time trial that well. Um, but uh, no, no, no. It'll, it'll, you know, it'll be interesting to see it play out, I think. But 
We'll see. You, you said, you mentioned before about the buildup is going to be incredible to the tour this summer, partly because of what you've been talking about. Do you, will you look forward to that? And are there any great rivalries that in other sports you've liked? Federer and Nadal has been talked about a lot. Or at Team Sport, Texas, Oklahoma. Well, now everybody in boxing, they want to see Pacquiao and, and Mayweather. That's, you know, that's what you want. And so, um, yeah, that's what, it, it'll be interesting too, because I think Andy Schleck plays an interesting role here. And, and, and I think he's somebody that, you know, the, the true cycling uh, cynics would look at it and say, well, um, talent-wise, they're better matched. And so, uh, obviously, Alberto first and Andy second last year, and perhaps that's the big showdown. The more that we could let that roll out and play, the better for us because it would be um, less distraction. But a lot depends on the buildup of the season, too, and, and uh, you know, how my preparation goes, how, how successful I, I can be in the early season races. Obviously, the more successful you are, the bigger the buzz, the greater the buzz, and, and, and you know, the press and the fans will, will run with that. But, Again, I, I think it's uh, it's good for for cycling. It's good for cycling, but better that that both he and I try to distance ourselves from that because it can become a distraction, and uh, we, neither of us want that. Hey, Lance, I'm Bob Cullen from Cycle Two. What what means more to you this week? Getting the guys back together, or seeing the report that global cancer deaths are down? Mm -hmm. You know, I saw that this morning. Um, when I, when I was in the paper this morning, when I got up, and, it, and then it was streaming across the TV this morning, you know, I, I always view that with uh, mixed emotions. And on one hand, I'm, I'm incredibly happy and optimistic about that because w we see a decline in death. Um, and I think the number that came out this morning was, was based on figures here in the United States. but. Um, I still see, I mean, if you go from 561,000 deaths a year to 560,500, that is a drop. Um, but you're still losing 560,500 people every year. Um, it, it's way too many. So uh, both sides of it, we, you have to start to see some decline. Um, and ultimately, you know, that, that if we do our job, that'll trickle down to, to nothing. But it's still... If you cut off 500 or 1,000 a year, it's still one American every minute. And uh, that's way too many for me. So I, I also view it from that perspective. And I think that's, that's healthy and, and honest, uh, a healthy and honest message to tell the people that we, we just have a lot of work to do. And we're dealing with a, an epidemic that, that encompasses 500, 600 different types of malignancies. This is not, a, this is not one disease that we're going to come around and fix tomorrow. We gotta, you just got to keep chipping away sort of uh, cell type by cell type. And ultimately, ultimately, I think we'll, we'll make a difference. Lance, uh, did you enjoy on the bike this year? Yeah, if I, did, if I didn't enjoy it, I wouldn't be back. I, I mean, I did, I, I did uh, there were days that I didn't enjoy. You know, the first major crash of my career, laying in the side of the road in Spain, uh, headed to a, 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 you know, an anonymous hospital. I didn't enjoy that. And I wanted to never come back. Um, but to be honest, I mean, it was a conversation with this man to my left that said, no, you have no choice in this uh, issue. You have to come back. And so um, outside of that, that period, uh, I did enjoy it. And, you know, being here with the guys, this is a simple existence for me. You know, if you, 
Uh, if you look at my life the last three or four months, it's anything but simple. It's left, right, center, you know, northwest, east, south. It's, it's all over the place, and it's a very uh, exhausting life. And so to be at training camp where you're in one place, you get to ride your bike, you get to hang out with a bunch of guys, and it's a, uh, to me, that's a, that's a nice time. And so, yeah, now we're having fun. I'm having fun. Um, Lance, I was wondering, uh, on a product side, in the time that you were away, Trek came out with a new Bidone, and I was curious, I was thinking about it during the summer and the new Speed Concept bike, how different was that bike to you, the, the new Bidone, versus the Bidone you were on, or the 5900, and then just specifically, you already spoke twice now about um, side, or fitting, being fitted back to the bike in the last year, and I was curious how much that changed, and if it relates to the new bike at all, or the different dimensions, or what, what your problem is exactly after being on the, off the bike. Well, the, the bike definitely changed because it went from a flat top tube to a sloping top tube, which was I was always uh, uh, against, as you probably know, I was always against a sloping top tube. Um, but um, I ended up appreciating the bike for its, its lightness and stiffness. Um, the positioning part of it, I just, I just uh, in 2009, I just didn't, pay close enough attention to that. So in the past, and I think most of you probably know as well, I mean, uh, I was obsessed with measurements and carrying my tape measure everywhere I went and measuring my bike every day before I got on it. That didn't happen at all in 2009. And my position and the positioning suffered uh, due to that. So it, it, just for example, my seat now uh, on the seat post is, is, is probably two centimeters higher now than it was on the tour. So just ignoring these things and, uh, and uh, making big mistakes there, but um, the other thing too that's interesting about the sloping top tube is that the perception of the rider on the bike looks different. So, you know, because I get, you know, with things like Twitter and Facebook and email and you, you get constant feedback from everybody. So you wouldn't believe how many tweets I get from people, your position looks terrible. <laughs> because the rider relative to the frame looks different when it's a flat top tube versus a sloping top tube. Um, and then also there were other changes. In the past, I'd ridden Dura-Ace my entire career where the levers are much uh, shorter. You go to red at SRAM and, and, and the lever itself is just a longer lever, so your extension is different. All those things add up to, to the images looking different than what people are used to. So then, you, you know, you get the, the, the armchair consultants uh, that, that they give you those messages daily. but. I, th I think we got it right. We made some changes here with, with the retool system. On um, <clears throat> The position didn't so much change. I mean, my, in the past, I was always from the center of the bars to the tip of the seat, 56.5. And that's where it is today. The seat height is where it was supposed to be all year long. It's back to where it's supposed to be. The other key thing is in the beginning of the year, I didn't ride a Concord light. And so after, I think, California, I went back to the Concord light. So I just kind of went back to the stuff I'd used in the past. Today's changes were all based on Q factor and Johan's uh, insistence that I change pedals finally. Um, so we, we went with the look pedal today and, and uh, changed the Q a little bit just based on this imaging that, that Retool has. So felt good in the ride today, you know, no, no, no side effects, no problems. But it's pretty compelling if you look at the, the imagery, that 3D imagery of how you, your, your pedal stroke and the way your knee, your hip, your knee and your foot line up, and so it's good. Yeah, time for two more. Oh. Yeah. Um, Lance, I'm curious 
if you see yourself contesting a world championship ever again, and also if you think the hour record is still within your reach. No hour record, ever. <laughs> I think Ken Chalara should do the hour record, and we'll just leave it at that. Let him break it. And, uh, the worlds are uh, are um, an interesting uh, idea. I, 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 sitting here in December, it's 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 easy to say yes, and then you get through the tour, and, and you realize that you've got two more months or two and a half more months, and then you've got to go to Australia, and the course is not terribly. Um, uh, tough or difficult. Um, so probably not, but uh, it, it, I don't know. I mean, it, it, the, when the worlds leave sort of main, the main part of Western Europe, it's always a great event. Uh, it's, a, it's a much bigger event, at least it seems like. And to go to Melbourne would be super cool. Um, but I would, I'd have to, I'd probably guess that I wouldn't be there. Well, I think it's going to change. I think it's going to start to change. In fact, I was last week. I was talking. I rode a few days in, in Aspen with this young kid, T.J. Van Garder, and then uh, he asked me about the worlds. He said, "Would you be interested in going to the worlds, and we could build a, a great team around uh, Tyler Farrar?" Because, as I said, the course is just not that tough, and I think uh, it really suits a, a strong classic style sprinter. Uh, he'd be great there. So there's no doubt that if you look at our uh, roster of, of all the American pros, uh, you could take 12 guys there that would be very strong. But it's just, you know, people's priorities have to be in line. I don't think, I think the tour is so significant in the American fan psyche that, that the world's guys just uh, don't put it on their priority list. And, you know, maybe back in the day it was, but when they moved the date, you know, back Back in the old days, it used to be a month after the tour, so guys would do the tour, use that condition, do a few races, do the uh, the summer World Cups, and then go do the Worlds. And then when they moved it back to October, it, it changed. Um, uh, it, I think it changed its importance on the international calendar. Now, you said that it's kind of foolish to build a team around you at this point, but you'd be happy to support Levi or Claude and whoever was the strongest rider. And you said with Contador it was a genuine personality conflict, and I wonder... Is it, was that a personality conflict or an ambition conflict? And that you know, could you get along with anybody on your team who was trying to win a race that you also wanted to win? It's, it, it, it's. Um, I don't. I don't think it was. An, I mean, as soon as he rode away on Verbier, I mean, I think before that, I was. I still thought, well, I'll have, I'll have that one good day like I always have. But when he rode away on Verbier, I was like, all right, that's it. He's the best guy in the race, and we all we all have to do our job. Um, but. Uh, I have to think back to the 16 or 17 years I've done this. I've never had a conflict like that within the team. I mean, you have guys that are, you, know, you wouldn't go on vacation with, but it's never been that. That's not my style. If they're your teammate, they're your teammate. You go to war with them, and you do whatever you can. This was just very different. Um, but uh, again, I, 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 think the, I think the proof is in the pudding. And, Eight of the nine riders from the tour are on Team Radio Shack now, and, and that's a pretty compelling stat, I think, when it comes to, to Johan's program and, and to myself and to what we could offer for these guys. And um, so, yeah. Can I shoot you just a very quick one? For, uh, we are, uh, <laughs> I, I am sure you heard that we are trying to organize a Tour of Italy start in 2012, starting in Washington, D.C. I heard, is that true? We are, we are having a, a meeting with the mayor on, uh, on Thursday with Angelo. 
what do you think and uh, would be great for everybody just for us as uh, for america for yeah maybe you will be still around still around 2012 maybe no maybe not no no <laughs> 41 years old lance armstrong um I think it's a good idea. I'm not sure the riders would think it's a very good idea, or or the the, the staffs of the teams. I mean, that, that's a, that's an incredible thing to ask for guys to fly. Um, well, from Italy, it'd be six hours time difference, do two or three days, and then to fly back with the, with the time change. You know, even back in the day, I remember they talked about New York, and they talked about using the Concorde when it's a three-hour flight, New York, Paris. You know, even then, you still have. It's a very, very big task. Uh, I don't. I don't want to say it's a bad idea. I think it's. I think it's. It would be. It would bring uh, one of the most important races in cycling history right here to the shores of America. Um, but it, it would be hard on the athletes for sure. And, uh, we'll see what. Uh, I know Angelo, and when Angelo wants to do something, Angelo does it. So uh, I would. I would support it. I would support it because I'm not going to be there flying back and forth. <laughs> but as a tifosi, I would think as a, as a tifosi in America, I would think that it's a good thing. Hey, Lance, we'll go to a couple of local media. They just want to know your impressions of Tucson and the return here because of it so far. Um, get that camera back on there. <laughs> you know, it's, uh, we've been here. We've been here quite a, a few times. Uh, we had one one camp or a few days of camp here uh, years ago, and then in 2001 or 2002, I spent about two weeks on top of Mount Lemmon, uh, which we had weather similar to today and, and couldn't hardly get down some of the days. But, um, you know, Tucson is a real um, cycling mecca, I think, for the United States. You have uh, good infrastructure with roads, good climbs, you have nice flats. You also have a lot of bike lanes, which I think has been uh, is helpful for any cyclist, but even for us when you're rolling down the road with, with 23 or 24 guys, it, it helps to have that extra four or five feet that you can get away or get some separation from the cars. And I've got to tell you, we haven't had, I mean, we've been, we're, we're a big um, posse rolling down the road, and, and the interaction with the traffic and the local people has been wonderful. So uh, weather was a little, little chilly today, but it's going to clear up and get warm. Okay, thanks everybody. We'll see some of you guys in January. Thank you. All right. Here you go. And with that last question from the local media about what it was like to have their training camp in Tucson, Lance and Johan stepped off the stage, and that was the end of the press conference at the first team training camp of Team Radio Shack. Pretty compelling stuff there. Uh, a lot of very interesting comments about last year's Team Astana, about his rivalry, what he called a personality conflict with Alberto Contador. Uh, I found some interesting things there about the Madone, the new Trek Madone with the sloping top tube. Seems Lance and I definitely have some things in common there. Uh, I share his opinions about a sloping top tube, but uh, then again, I've ridden the Madone and it is a pretty sweet bike. Loved how uh, he he thought that the hour record should be left for Fabian Consolara. Also just a great comment there. And then I think perhaps the... Uh, the understatement of understatements uh, coming at the very beginning of the press conference, talking about last year, uh, how uh, 
Uh, I think the question was from Neil from Velenews asking him about the comeback being just a theory uh, and, and how it feels a year later. And I loved Lance's comment about 2009. He said it was a complicated situation within the team. So uh, a, a really great uh, press conference from Lance Armstrong. Hopefully that gives you just a little bit of insight, not only into Team Radio Shack, but a little bit more into the champion himself uh, and into what we have to look forward to in the 2010 racing season. Well, that is going to do it for this episode of the Fredcast and for all of the episodes of the Fredcast for 2009. I am taking a couple of weeks off officially of the Fredcast and then, of course, be back in just a couple of weeks to get started with what looks to be a very exciting 2010. In the meantime, a couple of reminders of ways to support the show, of course, audiblepodcast.com slash cycling to thank Audible for their ongoing support of the Fredcast and to thank you for your support of Audible. Also, to remind you to click those links at thefredcast.com to support the show. And, of course, you can also donate to the show at www.thefredcast.com. If you'd like to contact me, my email address is thefredcast at gmail.com. My Twitter name is Fredcast. You can also find me at Facebook, facebook.com slash Fredcast. And, of course, there's always our website, www.thefredcast.com. Well, it is the time of the show when we play pod safe cycling music, and it wouldn't be the holidays if I didn't play some pod safe holiday cycling music. Tonight's pod safe cycling music comes to us as it frequently does from Music Alley, formerly known as the Pod Safe Music Network, at music.mevio.com and also at www.musicalley.com. Two songs for you tonight. The first, by Charlie Crow, who we've played on the show before. This is his version of Silent Night. It's called Not So Silent Night. And then Mario Ahero with his version of Old Lang Syne. Old Lang Syne really about uh, thanking old friends for the memories and for um, being friends for such a long time. And this is my way of saying thank you to you uh, at this time of year when we're all thinking about our friends and our family and those that mean the most to us. And uh, I've said it before and I'll say it again. Those of you who have been listening to the Fredcast since the very beginning, and those of you who have only been listening since the last show, every last one of you are very much appreciated by me and by my family. And it's just great to have you out there and know that you appreciate uh, what it is that I do with the Fredcast. So I want to wish every one of you in the audience a very Merry Christmas. Uh, uh, for those of you who don't celebrate Christmas, who might celebrate Hanukkah, I hope you had a great Hanukkah, as we did here in my household. Uh, for those of you who celebrate Kwanzaa, I hope it is a wonderful season for you. But for everybody, as 2009 draws to a close, I want to wish each of you happy, healthy, a prosperous, and the most wonderful of new years in 2010. From all of us here at the Fredcast, we will see you again next year. Between this year and next, enjoy the music. But most of all, enjoy the ride. <laughs>